What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast, where we are recording in person for the first time. Azul and I are both down here in Australia, ready for OCIC this coming weekend. And yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week. We're going to be talking about the end of TCGO, a little bit of a note from the developers about the future of TCG Live, but also subsequently the end of TCGO. Uh, the CP requirement for Worlds was recently lowered, so we'll be talking about that, our thoughts and opinions there. We'll, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the cast. And we'll be closing out the show with the Oceania Internationals meta forecast. Give our predictions, what we think is going to win, who we think might win. Um, but yeah, we're down here in Australia. Azul, what's going on, man? How you doing? How's your week been? How does it feel to uh, to be down here in Australia? Doing pretty good. This actually, this time traveling down here uh, felt better than it has in the past. I don't think I'm really too jet lagged. I slept most of my flights. I had a layover in Fiji. And that was five hours from Fiji here. And I slept most of the time, the 11-hour flight to Fiji, five-hour flight to here. So, and then I woke up at 7, I was a little bit tired around 11 last night, but I woke up at 7.30, so far I'm doing fine today. And this is like, I feel like the first day, like it usually feels fine. Mm -hmm. Like you you're, you feel like you're on track and on schedule. But then like this day and the next day are usually when it can get kind of messed up. Because so. your internal clock is still set to one thing. Yeah, it's like the, the you're so messed up from all the traveling that yeah. you could probably go to bed whenever on the first day, yesterday. Um, and you'd wake up at you know a reasonable time no matter what. But now this day is going to be, I think, is usually the real test. The next day is usually the real test. That's how I felt at LAIC as well. Like the first day I was there, it was fine. Went to bed at like 12, woke up at like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. or something. And then the next day was felt really bad, really hard to get to bed and really hard to wake up at a certain yeah. time. So tonight's going to be the real test, I think. Yeah, well, I mean, I just got here this morning, so I'm still chugging along on my sleep that I got on the plane. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes for me too. Tomorrow, I guess, will be... I guess two days from now, if we're going by your metric, will be the real test for me. But yeah, that was the longest I've ever been on a plane. 15 hours was my flight from LAX to Sydney, and I flew from Sydney to, to Melbourne. So it was a pretty long haul trip. It was a ter pretty terrible travel day, too, because I had to fly from Raleigh to LA, and then I had a 12-hour layover in oh LA, which was terrible. <laughs> They don't let you, because the flight was so long, too, I had to go get my bag from security. I yeah. couldn't leave it there. So, And then I couldn't check back in until six hours before my flight left. Yeah. So I had to sit outside of security for six hours. Now, thankfully, one of my roommates from college actually lives in L.A. Shoutouts to Denzel. He came and picked me up, and we went and got breakfast, which was good. But he had plans, like, in the early afternoon with friends and stuff, so he had to drop me back off the airport so I didn't have to sit outside of security for six hours, but I didn't have to sit outside of security for like four hours. Yeah. So it still wasn't great, yeah. but we made it. Um, yeah, we're down here in Melbourne, which is pretty cool. And yeah, we're doing this in person for the very first time. Um, so let us know any thoughts about that. Anyone who's watching on YouTube or listening on the podcasting platforms, hopefully the audio level is still pretty decent. The The picture quality should be good enough at least as well. Um, yeah, we, we would like to do some more in-person recordings, I think, yeah. like at other regionals, other internationals in the future, potentially, um, and yeah, potentially try other things as well, like with the content that goes on in the podcast. But yeah, for now, today, we're just going to be talking about all the topics we mentioned, and we're going to start by talking about the end of the Pokemon trading card game online. So Pokemon put out this, yeah, I'm going to push it, don't worry. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm going to push the button right here. We'll show. 
that Pokemon put out this statement on their website, card set development ending for the Pokemon trading card game online. So pretty much what this says is that Crown Zenith is going to be the last new expansion added to TCGO. And then starting with Scarlet and Violet, there will be no new cards added to TCGO. So if you want to play with the new standard format, once Scarlet and Violet comes out, you have to transition to over to TCG Live. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to have... And everyone thought that it was ending uh, March 1st. Like TCGO is going to be shut down March 1st, but it's not what it said. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just saw the date and were like, oh, Pokemon T or PTCGO is done March 1st. But it's not the case. It's just not getting any more new cards added. That's it. But it's still going to be up to date. Like, they're still going to keep it updated, try and fix bugs. If there's any bugs, there'll still be updates to PTCGO. Yeah. There will be no new cards. The versus ladder will still reset. Yeah. No new cards come March 1st. But new cards don't come out until the end of March, April 1st uh, time. So it's like, there's going to be, even though it stops at March 1st, the only, the only time, we're only going to have to worry about it come, you know, April 1st and right. March. Because that's when Scarlet and Violet comes out, and those cards just won't be on PTCGO. Yeah, so, yeah, a few interesting things happening here. Obviously, like, the cards won't be added, but also I assume that means that, like, the tool errata won't happen on TCGO oh, yeah. as well, which, because that's, like, a big thing that's going to have to happen with the um, with Scarlet and Violet coming out. Of course, tools will no longer be item cards. It's going to be, like, their own class of trainer. Um, so, yeah, there's um, a lot to talk about here with what could potentially be happening um like first off like should people just go ahead and transfer now like is there any reason like if we know it's coming in a couple months or like a month now like should we go ahead and just try to transfer over or is there still more to do to try to get ready for a transfer because basically i don't i don't think there's any reason to transfer until we actually get cards mm -hmm. so theoretically end of march yeah. is like when you should transfer you should only transfer once you want to play with scarlet and buy the cards uh and they're out on pdcg live but they're not on pdcgo it's like the only time to transfer and i don't think there's any reason to transfer until that time like people are talking about it like should they but they, yeah there's no reason to I don't yeah know. people are like kind of like panicking for no reason it feels like i do think a lot of people just went ahead and transferred over i mean i think yeah. there's something to be said for like getting used to it right and if you're not going to be playing in online tournaments um and if you're not playing in like the team challenge like yeah i think it would like would be fine to transfer over like if you're someone who plays a couple hours a week or something like that you know maybe it's fine to just go ahead and transfer over play your couple of hours on tcg live but i mean if you're someone who plays every single day you probably still want to stick to tcgo for a little bit and especially if you're someone who like plays in the limitless tournaments online and stuff like that um but i mean if you are still playing on tcgo and honestly before you transfer to tcg live as well you should be doing things to get your account ready to transfer um because there's like several things you can do having like a solid tcgo account that will help you like snowball that into getting more and better stuff once you transition to TCG Live. And the main thing that's talked about on the Pokemon website is having um, 125 packs in your account, like yeah. sealed products. And I do think they have to be packs. I don't think like the uncommon chests work or like yeah. the tails and stuff like but that. It can work. be locked packs as yes, well. Yes, like, it can be locked packs. Your coins. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, coins will not transfer anything like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. so having 125 locked packs in your account will get you a bunch of crystals when you transfer to live, which yeah. is a really important uh, currency to have. Yeah, there's no reason to have over 125. So mm -hmm. just open everything else yeah. beforehand. Try and trade duplicates of your stuff because you'll only transfer over four copies of a card. The fifth copy of every... Fifth plus copy of every card will just be lost. Like, you don't get any yeah, credits for it on the other side or anything, so... If you really have the extra time to do it, try and get four of everything, literally every card yeah. ever, 
because um, that way any excess cards you get while you're in PTCG Live, those will be trans will return to credits. But if you you know if you have five Lugia V's and you take that from PTCG to PTCG Live, you just get four Lugia V's on PTCG Live, and you don't get any credit for the fifth one. Right. So try and if yeah if you have the extra time to like really optimize the account, getting four of literally every card that you possibly can is like the way to do it. Yeah. But the ones you should maximize first are the the celebrations cards because that's the what is it just the most valuable pack. Yeah, so the reason, you, yeah, I, we've maybe talked about this before, but it's probably been yeah. a while. But yeah, so Celebrations is a super valuable pack on TCG Live because the way TCG Live works is there's three different currencies, and the main and most important one is credits. And you earn credits for any time you obtain a card in the game that you already have four copies of. So say you have four Kyogre from Celebrations. Yeah. If you open up a Celebrations pack and get a Kyogre from Celebrations, that'll get turned into credits right away. Now... How many credits you get for opening up a card depends on what level of rarity the card is. I don't remember the exact breakdown. I've seen it. There's like graphs and stuff people have made, but it's like 10 credits for a common card, but it's all the way up to like 125 credits for a hollow. Yeah. And so the reason Celebrations is so good is because every card in the set is a hollow. Oh, so okay. if you open up a pack of Celebrations, even if it just has four hollow cards in it with no ultra rares or anything like that, no classic collection yeah. cards, you're going to get uh, 500 credits for opening that yeah. pack up. Yeah, so that's like the, truly the best way to maximize. Get four of every Celebrations card possible on Pokemon or PTCGO, mm -hmm. and then we transfer four of each of those, and then the best way to just like get credits is then to buy 400 Celebrations packs or just use your crystals to open Celebrations yeah. packs on PTCG Live. And like, theoretically, from where I'm at, it seems like if I use all of my crystals to open Celebrations packs from here on out, I think I'll probably be able to go infinite. Oh, yeah. I, bu I bought the 400. I have like 350,000 credits currently on my PTCG Live account from the 400 Celebrations packs. So I think if I then just invest all my crystals into Celebrations packs, I think I'll go infinite, theoretically. Well, I think part of the issue with that, too, like why... The, the, the in-game economy is still broken with yeah. the game. And it's mostly because <laughs> of Celebrations. But, I, I mean, I think even if you were coming over with uh, just 125 packs worth of crystals, or like maybe even if you started a new account... It, it would take a little while, but if you just do the daily quests, you can get 50 to 60 crystals for free every single day. And um, if you just do the daily quests or whatever. And the only thing you can use crystals for is to buy the premium pass, which you should do. It's worthwhile. Yeah. It's like 660 or 650 crystals, I think, something like that. Maybe 850. Um, did you just fart? Oh, I just said the chair is squeaky. <laughs> I thought you were just ripping it, bro. Oh. Come on, man. Um, um not yet yeah oh gosh um i don't even remember what i was saying oh yeah if you um uh yeah so, so you use the crystals to buy the battle pass the premium pass i think it's like 800 it's 650 or 850 something like that what? so you'll, you'll get that with a couple weeks of play yeah. if you're starting with no crystals and if you come over with crystals you know from the packs you'll get be able to get it instantly um, but then the only other thing you can use your crystals for besides a premium pass, which you only get a premium pass once every three months, right? It's like yeah. it's every set. Ooh, yeah. Um, uh, the only other thing you can use your crystals for is to buy packs. Now, it doesn't make sense to just buy packs. And I don't even think it really makes sense to buy like the bundles and decks and stuff that come in the shop um, because you can use your, cre your credits to make those cards yeah. much more efficiently. But you can use crystals to buy celebrations pack. Yep. So even if you don't go out and buy like physically with real money, buy four hundred packs. Yeah. Um, you can still just go in and infinitely redeem your crystals for celebrations packs. Yeah, and eventually get four of everything, or just get enough. Yeah, eventually you'll get enough. Um, if you come over with four of everything, that's better. But if you yeah. don't, like you'll eventually just start to to gain credits. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, the in-game economy is just so broken. I think you probably need, like, thirty to 60,000 credits per set if you're just yeah. on min rarity, I think is a number I've seen people throw out there. It depends on the set, like, how good it is, how many of the, each ultra rare you want to get. Um, like, Crown Seas was probably, like... <laughs> Like 10,000, yeah. Less, like 2K credits. Yeah, maybe. Like... No, bro, you gotta test that Reggie Gigas. Like... <laughs> <laughs> or if you're like me, you still like to get all the gold cards and the, yeah, the, yeah, the alternate arts. That's where it starts to get a little Yeah, more that's where it gets expensive. That's why you're out of credits already. Oh, I've got 200K, bro. No? I'm chilling, I'm chilling. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things you can do to try to optimize. Like Azul said, like if while you have TCGO now, getting four of everything... Uh, if you have the time to do it, while it would be tedious, it would be beneficial because literally any time you get a card that you already have four of, you get credits. So like, and, and credits is the most it, the the name of the game with TCG Live is just getting credits, credits, <laughs> yeah. credits, credits. Um, so anything you can do to optimize that is really good. Yeah, I think there's like I think LDF um, and Omnipoke both have a little bit more in depth YouTube videos on their channels going over uh, going over all of that probably a little bit more con more concise and in-depth. So go check out their YouTube channels and go check out their their PDCG Live transfer tutorials. Um, but I think the big, uh, the big the big issue everyone has with this news is that PDCG Live does not feel ready. And I don't, th I don't think it is. From, from what I've played, um, and I'll bring this one up, this is the one that kind of might go to. There's still no ranked ladder. I hate yeah. it because they advertise the rank ladder. I say it every time. They advertise this is your the soapbox right here. Yeah, they advertise the rank ladder in their initial like announcement video to get all the competitive players like, oh my gosh, he's got a rank ladder. And then it doesn't have a rank ladder. Whatever they gave us is fake, like, rank fake ranked or whatever you want to call it. It's just not a rank ladder. Um, so they don't have that. But it also just doesn't feel like it's ready. I mean, so theoretically, um, I guess theoretically, PTCG Live, like w whether or not it comes out of beta um, the end of March, will be a question, right? Because it might not come out of beta at the end of March, right? But everyone's going to switch over because that's how you can only play the Scarlet and Violet cards online, right? No one's going to stay on PDCGO even if PDCG Live is still in beta. So, yeah, come the end of March, in beta or out of beta, everyone's going to be switching over to PDCG Live. Like, forced. Yeah. Like, everyone's being forced. And what's weird is, like, the uh, to kind of go with that is everyone's being forced to switch over, but the team challenge isn't supposed to end until, like, end of April, early May, yeah. I think. Yeah. So all those players are being held hostage on PDCGO, and they can't bring their account. Yeah. That's like such a mess, right? They can't bring their account. And they're over. not even going to be able to play standard, right? Because Scarlet and Violet won't be out if it's still going on in April, May, right? Scarlet and Violet won't. Yeah, be Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, yeah. they won't be able. They, well, the team challenge is in the previous format, so yeah. But like, it would like the last round of it would be played in the current format, right? Like, is that, that how they do it? Yeah, I mean, it follows regular standard legality. Well, I think you are. You just play this the, the format you were for the whole time. Yeah, I okay. think so. Maybe so. I could be wrong on that. Actually, I don't know. But they will be like Scarlet and Violet. Their account will be on PTCGO because mm -hmm. you have to play the team challenge on PTCGO. Scarlet and Violet will be out, but only available on PTCG Live. But then their account will be held hostage that they would like to transfer over to play with the new cards on PTCGO while Scarlet and Violet is out online. So that's like a whole another mess. Yeah. With this release of what or, or what at the end of March, um, so we don't know if it'll be in beta or we don't know if it'll come out of beta at the end of March. Um, and that it just doesn't feel like it's ready for everyone to transfer over and start playing the game uh, at the end of March. Yeah. Yeah, the game definitely does not feel ready. And that's not even echoed by just, like, us, the people who are, like, super ingrained in the Pokemon community. Trust Your Pilot tweeted this a couple days after um, the announcement went out, saying that after 500,000-plus downloads and 7,200 reviews, TCG Live is sitting at a 2.4 <laughs> out of 5 on Android. And the PTCGL beta has dug this game a hole that it will take years to get out of. TCGL will end its run at 4 out of 5 stars, 
5 million plus downloads and 142,000 reviews. So four, five stars, honestly, is still like, that's good. It's good enough, right? Yeah. It's not the best. Um, I mean, but that's, that's pretty good for like a thing like this because some people will download it and just like not like the yeah. game. So, you know, you'll give it a two stars or whatever. Yeah. I, I mean, I think like the numbers of people who play Theme Deck Ladder, maybe not as much anymore, <laughs> but like whenever they were still making Theme Decks, is like way higher than the number of people who just play Standard, right? Because people just download the game because they see Pokemon yeah. on, the, on the, the game shop or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, concerning, right? I mean, and I would assume the developers are concerned seeing this rating. And if not the developers, definitely higher-ups. Right? Like, people, like, should look at this and be like, what is happening with this game that we are making? Yeah. Um, I mean, why, why is why is our rating so, so low? It almost feels like the... It almost feels like the higher-ups aren't concerned because it feels like nothing has drastically changed in the way of... Although, there was that... Um, isn't that part of their announcement with this whole thing is that they're going to be devoting the resources that would have been to PTCGO to PTCG Live? That is something they said, now, yeah. if that means they're hiring people from Direwolf to then work on PTCG Live, what I think it means is that they're not paying Direwolf as much anymore, and that means they're going to be either paying the people who make PTCG Live what they should have been being paid to begin with, like they're just going to give them more money, um, or what I guess it would probably mean is they're going to hire more people, right? Yeah. I feel like that has to be what that means. I don't know where that was. I don't know what the, where they said that. Is that was said somewhere. Um, it was said somewhere, though, that they're basically... Yeah, maybe on their Twitter. Yeah, shutting down PTCGO and we, so we can devote those resources to PTCG Live. Um, but it's not like there's the one team working on both. You know, they're paying Direwolf to make PTCGO and run PTCGO. They have the in-house team to run PTCG Live. So if they're not paying... Direwolf as much, you know, put input the new cards and all that stuff into PTCGO. That means they just have extra money, I would assume. They're not trying to hire Direwolf to help with PTCG Live. So that means they just have extra money, so I assume that means they're going to hire more people. Um, that's the only thing I can think about. It's the only thing that, that would make sense to me. With that. And I'm pretty sure they did say that somewhere. I don't remember where it was, but I remember seeing that. Yeah. Well, yeah, up in that headline, it does say to devote resources yes. to the Pokemon okay, yeah. Game Live. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a concerning place to be. It doesn't feel like the game is ready. Um, but, I mean, this what is happening, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, we're all going over there at some point, and uh, I think, like, whenever everyone in the community is forced to be there, just so many more issues are going to be known. And also, like, in the past, because there's been just a huge influx of players into TTCG Live in the last two weeks since this announcement came out, um, yeah. matchmaking has been broken in the game for, like, yeah. the last two weeks. Like, People have not been able to find a match at all. Friend battles are a total mess as well. Adding friends on there is Ad miserable. Adding friends is terrible. And then half the time, like, you can challenge a friend and they don't see it. You close out the game, go back in. Like, it, it doesn't matter. It's like so many of these things just don't, like, basic functions don't work. And also for coaching purposes, one of my students has switched his account over to TCG Live. And there's no option to turn off the timer yeah. in friend battles. <laughs> you can't turn off the so timer. So I can't even do coaching in PTCG yeah. Live. I was just like, can we just use your brother's account? Like, <laughs> this does not work. You're like, yeah. trying to play on TCG Live. Um, yeah, it's going to be miserable. Like, like I'm I assume, like, once that hits. So, I mean, there is a month and a half away. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, turn off timer would be great for people who are just trying to, like, like test is a big thing as well. Yeah, that. not even just for coaching. Yeah, right? coaching, like, testing. People coaching shouldn't be, like, a massive part of their consideration when yeah, like, changing stuff like that, right? But, like... People who are just trying to play with their friends exactly. and like, test decks and stuff mm -hmm. and test ideas and, like, you can't do any of that efficiently anymore because you get dinged. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, uh, the adding friends thing is miserable. Like, you have, to, you have to add them, close your game, they have to close their game, you open your game, they can accept it, they have to close your game again or something. Like, it's ridiculous to get a, add, add a friend on PTCG Live. 
And that's just going to kill the tournament scene, I feel like, if this is still... Because, like, no one wants to play current standard when Scarlet and Violet drops and rotation hits in online tournaments, which are still a gr big scene in online tournaments. People are going to want to play the new cards and the new decks in these tournaments, but if you can't add friends and do friend battles, I mean, the timer being on for those is fine. Um, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to hurt the tournament scene pretty big, for sure, I feel like, which will suck. Yeah, I think there have been some tournaments in TCG Live. Like, they've got yeah. an option on Limitless now where you can choose, like, which game, right? Like, there's, like, there an icon right to show, yeah. Um, but I'm sure some have, I think some have finished, but I couldn't find it on the other page, but... Um... Yeah, I want to give a quick shout-out to Robin. I don't know if Robin was in my chat, but I, like, uh, the day before these icons popped up, I was like, you know what would be really cool is if there was, like, a, some way to just, like, see between which game is which thing, because sometimes people don't, like, have standard or whatever for their Pokemon tournaments yeah. and stuff. Um... And then the next day, the icons on the left side showing which game is for the tournament that's listed there or there. So I don't know if Robin was like in my Twitch chat when I mentioned that on my stream the other day or not. But uh, either way, another Robin doing. They got to add work. it to this page, though. They got to oh. add it to the, the completed well, you can, page. You can go oh, to the completed yeah, page. Yeah, you got to add it here. <laughs> if it's on the main page, it's got to be added to completed, too. True, true, true. I got another thing for you. <laughs> Yeah, a huge shout out to Good Robin, yeah, always, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, keeping the, the online scene basically alive single-handedly throughout all the COVID and then still afterwards. I mean, I still love playing in online tournaments. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, online tournaments, you mentioned that, like, a massive part of the competitive community right now. You know, you've got thousands of people playing in these tournaments monthly. Um, I wonder if we, I would, that'd be a cool stat to see how many unique players play in these. Yeah, I think you can. I think Trainer Hill maybe so tracks Trainer that. Hill. Yeah. yeah, that'd be interesting. It tracks to see. all that information, but uh, and like the VG tournaments have been huge on that on there too, actually, which is really cool to see. They, they've been yeah. getting like 300, 400 players in some yeah, of their tournaments, awesome. um, which is I guess that's newer for them because they just started doing that recently. Yeah, because they game. just started having competitive yeah. play for the new uh, games. But but yeah, um, cool stuff. Uh, happening with Limitless, uh, but I, I think the question will be like, you know, you mentioned this, like, NPTC's live keep up. <laughs> yeah. Can, can, like, how can Limitless tournaments online play withstand the, the onslaught of TCG Live? Yeah. And right now it feels like the answer is no. Like, I mean, we might have to shut down online tournaments until it gets better. It's like webcam tournaments or Maybe. the limitless um, tabletop, whatever simulator that he has, right? Yeah. It's um, over on the main, the main yeah, site. Yeah. On main limitless, but what is it even called? Limitless tabletop. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't really used this much. I don't know if you. This have. is what I've, I mean, I've talked to a couple of people who do coaching as well. And it's like, this is my current uh solution for coaching when we switch over is to use this um and just like you yeah. both share your web share yeah. your share browser browser whatever, yeah. so this is like my for anyone out there who does coaching is like what the heck am i going to do when we switch over to, when everything gets pushed over to live to because a deck um we should put like four pump kaboo or something no pull a <laughs> um, yeah yeah so that's my current uh Solution. My current solution mm -hmm. would be to use this, unless you know they allow timers to be turned off on PTCG Live, because um, it's hard to like you know fully talk through things and situations and stuff. Yeah, like that. I mean, and this is obviously like not the best, but like yeah, for it just being a browser thing, it's pretty good. Yeah, how do I even shuffle this? Oh, shuffle it is shuffled. Okay, just by clicking the button, you yeah. shuffle. The, this is the and then just draw one. one. I guess I could. Can I just? Type oh, seven? that's terrible! What? Look at this hand. We're losing all of our resources. Robin, <laughs> we got to fix the randomization. Yeah, this is as bad as PDCGO. <laughs> oh man, I would never have drawn this in real. Exactly. Exactly. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens with it. Um, it's a concerning time, but, you know, it's happening, so. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're all along for the ride. We, right? I feel like we were like, it really sucks. I feel like the, the, the further we've gone to PTG Live, the more hopeful it feels like we have to be and more yeah. copium we have to huff. <laughs> to like Big copium. Get, yeah. Um, but yeah, hope, I mean, they, they have to put it together at some point. I guess one of the big things is just how long it's taking for them to put it together. There's no way it doesn't get put together at some point, right? Yeah. Um, but hopefully it's soon. Sooner than later. Well, from there, we can move on and talk about another big update. And so, you know, one big update a couple weeks ago from Pokemon, a lot of people weren't a big fan of. But then this update, it seems like pretty much everyone's been a big fan of. Yeah. And that has been the CP requirement for Worlds being lowered. So the threshold for North American Masters was 500, and it has now been dropped down to 350. And it's been dropped in most of the regions and for most of the age divisions as well. Um, so a lot of people I saw online, it was like... I saw people who were like traveling to Australia and it's like they landed in Australia, open up their phone and like, oh, I got my world's in my <laughs> Yeah, so I think this is uh, for me, I have two world's invites now. I'm pushing for my third. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, lowered it. A lot of people are happy about this. And it makes sense. I think, like, I think we talked, well, last time we talked about this, I think we were both like, it's probably going to get lowered. Yeah. It kind of only makes sense. Uh, and the only people who I've seen who are like, I mean, it's good, but it's not good enough. Is uh, everyone in Australia because they only have like four? I think I saw that they only have, they only have total of four tournaments. I think. Uh, yeah, announced right now at least. Yeah. Right? So they currently have they did Brisbane, um, and there's OCIC right now, mm -hmm. and then they only had two tournaments so far total. Well, or they have another regional right already. There's yeah, Perth yeah, so and two. Uh, another weekends. Yeah. Uh, then they have Perth, and then. Uh, Sydney, Sydney, yeah. Um, so they have two more regionals planned. I would be surprised if they didn't get maybe a special event or two. I feel like they usually have a special event, right? Maybe I'm not right on that, but I feel like they. Yeah, do. I'm not sure. I mean, but also like so many people get. I mean, it's 200 points, right, for OC. Yeah, for Masters. There's gonna be like, a big point influx from from this tournament. Yeah, right? so if you get top 16, you literally just get your invite if you're from Australia. Yeah. So there's gonna be a big point influx from this tournament. But it does seem like that most of the Australians don't think it's going to be. It's yeah. not uh, not fair. Like they think that, especially I think we saw tweets from Natalie and then Sableyes um, about it. Yeah, still does feel a little high in some areas, um, and especially because I mean, one of the big points of discussion I saw around this was like, does this mean that locals aren't coming back? And I think yeah. it definitely. I, I think that if locals come back this season, it's going to be for just quarter four. Yeah. So it's going to be. I, I think the. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen with Scarlet and Violet releasing. And if it doesn't happen, then it's not happening, right? Like, I mean, I think that's pretty fair to say. Like, Well, Scarlet and Violet releasing would be... Quarter four. The quarters well, are based on set releases. Quite. The quarters are based on set releases. It's maybe well, a little messy. The quarters are based on ICs. Right. And they do usually try to coordinate them with set releases. And it is a little messed up. Because I think, like, set release... It's in the middle of April. Okay, so it's um, two weeks after yeah. Scarlet Violet releases. Okay. Yeah. Or no, it's... Yeah, it's, like, in the middle of April. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, so it would coordinate with Scarlet Violet. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, I said the quarter three feels short then, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. Right? This is the well, end, but this, this format end feels quarter... endless, though, Yeah, right? this one... <laughs> yeah, this is the end of quarter two. Yeah. And then quarter three is between OCIC and uh, UIC, which is, like, two months. Yeah, so maybe a little shorter, because it normally is like three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just feels a little short, I guess. 
But, um, yeah, I think that, I mean, and this is all speculation, obviously. I think a lot of people get confused because I, like, work with Pokemon a lot, right? Like, I do the commentating and stuff, but I'm not a Pokemon employee. I do not speak for Pokemon. I do want to put that disclaimer out there. I do not have insider information, but just my thought and gut feeling would be, like, it's very unlikely at this point, now that we're halfway through February, that locals are coming back this season it'd be just be my gut feeling there's a chance still with scarlet violet but that's the one shot it, like if they're going to come back it's going to be quarter four scarlet violet yeah and we haven't seen an announcement about it so i think that is pretty unlikely yeah it would maybe be definitely not for quarter three i don't think anymore if we haven't seen enough no, yeah. there's nothing coming no for shot. quarter three so i think yeah but actually go to the point what is it for latin america what is how many points do they need it's 200 as well. And for them, they didn't have that many events either, though. Like, I've no. seen, maybe I've only been seeing Australian they players. They have two. Yeah, they have two. They even have less. But it is easier for... Now, this shouldn't be a reason... This shouldn't be the reason for their point total to be what it is. But, like, a decent amount of Latin America players come to North America. Uh, or come to America. Yeah, well, they or, shouldn't have to. They shouldn't right? have to, of yeah, course, of yeah. course. And of course, some people do it to try and get a little bit of a leg up, especially in, like, the, the stipends race yeah. and the travel award races. Because it's not too unreasonable for them to make their way. Like, there was a decent amount of... Latin America players at Florida regional specifically mm-hmm. or Atlanta regional. So, um, but yeah, they only have two on the thing. <laughs> so, oh, but they have special events too. I don't think they have special events that are listed here, but I think they have some scheduled. Um, I don't think they have any scheduled. Maybe they don't. I think they would be right here as well. Oh, is this where they go? Yeah. They're always in the same spot. Are you sure? Yeah. No. We'll go up to the IU. They would just say. Uh, oh, see, also Europe special events scheduled. Oh, maybe it is on a different page. Yeah. See? I see. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they see there's nothing oh, there's listed nothing for, for, yeah. for the other. Yeah, so they have it, they have it pretty rough too. Like I've only maybe because I've only I didn't really like think about the, the Latin America players, but I saw just saw the tweets from the the uh, Australian players and I was like, okay, yeah, it doesn't seem great. Two hundred points still, you don't have that many events. Uh but Latin America has it just as rough, I think, overall, for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean it still seems pretty rough for a lot of people to be getting their invites is gonna be tough. Um and then I guess what we're talking about locals, um yeah, I don't think locals are going to be coming back. It doesn't seem like it, right? I don't think... Uh... It seems very unlikely. And it may be one of the reasons why we've talked about TEM a couple of times, but it does seem like... I don't know if we've talked about it yet, actually. No, we have talked. We've just talked about it, like, hinted at it a little okay, bit. Okay. Like, talk... we, we haven't gone in depth about it at all. But it's, yeah, Pokemon's new tournament software. TEM. Professor. It's like Pokemon... I don't remember. I saw some... There's an article about it on the Pokemon website, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I just saw Alex Shemansky played in a 1K this weekend, a local tournament, and he said round two has been paired three separate times. I don't think PEM is ready. Yeah, like, and uh, maybe that's the reason for locals not coming back. Because, like, quarter three was my prediction, uh, like, last year, a while ago. And then obviously that's not happening. Yeah. And that seems reasonable for the where everything is kind of in the world. You know, regionals are being run pretty frequently. Um, and then now we have, uh, what's it called? Pokemon Event Manager. Pokemon Event Manager. Yeah, I remember seeing this tweet. I wanted to pull it up. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it it doesn't seem ready at all. I've heard other people having a ton of problems with it as well. And I think this is another program that TPCI is building in-house, which uh, they have a good track record of. In (laughs) theory, it should be a very good thing, right? Yeah. Because they can handle things quicker. And like, um, if the Pokemon company is in-house developing all of these softwares that are very specific to their tournaments, very specific to their community. In theory, they could make it perfect, like or make yeah. it like really, 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 really well for what their specific needs are. But it feels like 
they some of the specific needs have been misidentified like i don't know, I don't know. <laughs> they're struggling <laughs> yeah they're, yeah it's not they don't have a good track record for this now um so we're gonna be everyone's gonna be cringing if they ever announce something else being made in-house any kind of program or software in the future yeah we were so excited whenever tcg live initially got announced it's like yes the in-house pokemon yeah tcg it, like it could have been a dub for it to be in-house which at the end of the day i think it was probably an l um if we like if you had talked to maybe people who were like actually in developing the software and stuff then maybe would have told you eh, this doesn't sound like the greatest move because like there's like if they're not really truly experienced in like making games like that and yeah now pm i mean pm could that could be the reason and maybe that's why they're shifting up to cp as well they didn't get maybe they wanted to bring back local events for quarter three but it because of pm just not being a functioning program and now they have to you know lower the cp part which is fine as long as they make it like reasonable to get the world that's the biggest thing at the end of the day but they got to bring back local events. it's such a big part of the growth of the game is local events so they got to bring yeah. it back, like sooner than later especially for kids i think that's a yeah. big part of it i think that's why seniors and, seniors and juniors numbers are so there was uh i talked to someone who was in uh, was it vgc a senior uh or the the parent of a senior and there was 28 masters at or 28 seniors in vgc i think at San Diego, they said, and there was also 28 in VGC out of Atlanta, which that kind of shocked me. I don't know if that matches too much for local stuff because it's VGC. I don't know what how that's. Yeah, but that was actually such a surprise because Atlanta was so huge. I was like, how is there only 28? Yeah, I think that the the numbers for VG have always been a bit lower. Wow. Well, yeah, but they had like 800 masters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but compared to like TCG, like you know, if we're having a thousand masters, like at, at peak, like you would see maybe uh, 150 seniors, right? Like. Yeah. I don't think that, that's, that we only had like 112 seniors or yeah, at Orlando. In Orlando, when we had 1,500, yeah. So like, but I mean, I think the growth of the junior and senior division in TCG is definitely lower. Like, it's way lower than where it was pre-COVID for sure. Yeah, yeah. And a big part of that is because there's no local events. There's yeah, no I think so. Parents taking their kids to card shops for a Pokemon Day where they're learning how to play the game. Yeah, and just getting into it. They're getting into it. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not happening right now. Right? Yeah. Um, because like there's no local tournaments, so like there's less incentive for people to even run. Like so many, there's a couple card shops in my area that have like a Pokemon Night, but it's not like an official Pokemon League. Yeah. Because there's no like real incentive for them to have an official Pokemon League. Yeah. Um, they get some like official, like they get the the Series One, um, like p play Pokemon yeah. packs or whatever, which is cool and stuff. But like, um, from a store standpoint, they don't feel the need to like. I don't know. They, they don't feel like there's something worth pursuing as far as like yeah. having official Pokemon events at their store because there is no like championship points that would bring players into their store right now. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a ton of like I mean yeah it's it's interesting too because like, there's a ton of Masters players who got into Pokemon over COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that but it was all because of like online and content. Yeah, and yeah. Stuff. But like there's no all... no juniors and seniors really got yeah. into it over COVID, which I guess like yeah they'd they'd rather go play Fortnite or something else than like yeah. just like yeah because like picking up a game like PTCGO. And like actually physically going to your way to, to play an old game like PTCG and actually play it, it feels like it definitely, yeah, I don't think many many kids are going to go out of their way to try and do that. So it kind of makes sense, I guess, in that regard. But yeah, we need locals. <laughs> we need them. We need them. So, I mean, it's, it, it is extremely disappointing that we are likely going to go through this entire season without them. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's what, that's it was I disappointing think. enough that we went through 2022 without them. It's like a little more understandable, right? But yeah. like. At this point, man, it's like almost inexcusable. It feels like it's it's tough. It's tough. I mean, I know there's reasons behind all of these decisions. I mean, it could and I'm sure the there are people at Pokemon who so like yeah. There are people at Pokemon who understand how important it is for a local scene to be like how important local scenes are to the growth of the game overall. 
Um, and there are people at Pokemon who so badly want to bring them back, but for just whatever reason, it just hasn't happened yet. I think for me, to be honest, I didn't really think about it too much until we kind of talked about it. Now, but it probably is just PEMs. Like if the software, they don't. I don't know why they couldn't just use the old software. But like maybe yeah. they can't get them to like work. I mean, they use they use Tom, the old software yeah. for regionals and ICs, right? So like, do they? Is that yeah. why we're using something with Arcanine or? Is it's it through like, Tom. It's just Tom. Tom. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why they couldn't just use Tom, but that's that, now it's like the only thing I can think about is like maybe that is just why. Like they they want to use PEM, it's not working, so they're just gonna wait until it works. They're not gonna bring back locals, maybe. Yeah. Right as well, I think it is time to move on from that and into guess that flavor text, where each week. One of the two of us will pick a card and read the flavor text from it. The other host has to guess what that card is. And you get the opportunity to get a couple... Are you taking some notes? Scribbling. Uh, get to um, use a couple of lifelines, potentially, if you would like to. If you get, uh, get it correct without using any lifelines, you get four points. For each lifeline used, you lose a point. And the lifelines are what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and read and attack name. We are currently tied still. And it is my turn to pick a card for Azul. I have one picked out. And uh, yeah, are you ready, Azul? I'm ready. See if you can get ahead this week. All right. This carefree Pokemon has an easygoing nature. While swimming, it always bumps into boat, boat hulls. All right, go ahead one more time. This carefree Pokemon has an easygoing nature. While swimming, it always bumps into boat, boat hulls. Pulse. Yeah, sorry. I think I've actually read this one before. I've heard this one before. I read this one before. It sounds familiar. Pokemon swimming into boat holes. Um, I can't. I don't know what the Pokemon is off the top of my head. I think it's maybe Sfeel or Dugong. And I think so. I played the Dugong deck when it first came out. So I maybe read Sfeel's flavor text. So it could be Sfeel. I'm trying to think of like other Pokemon. I do feel obligated to tell you that Sfeel. Is not from the same evolution line as Dugong. Oh wait, what one did Dugong evolves from? No, I'm stuck. So Sfeel evolves into. Oh my gosh, I'm stuck. So there's Dugong, and Dugong evolves from. Oh my gosh, Sfeel evolves into Seal, right? Is it just called Seal? No, that's the old one. Seal's the old one, right? No, but there's a, there's a Pokemon named Seal yeah. who evolves into Sfeel. No, Seal evolves into Dugong. There you go. Oh, there's a Seal in a Sfeel? Yes. There's a Pokemon named Sfeel. Yes. There's a Pokemon named Seal. Yes. And Seal evolves into Dugong. Yes. Okay, what do the Pokemon swim around and bump into... Because I don't think it's anything like a Jellicent or something. I want to make sense for that to be swimming around and bumping in. So I'm assuming it's a water type Pokemon. You do have Pokemon. some lifelines you can use. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'm thinking about for some reason is uh, Quagsire. Um, it's not Wooper though. I don't think so. I'm gonna. What stage is the Pokemon? Let's go with that. It is a stage one. So I could see it being Quagsire. Quagsire is kind of a derpy looking Pokemon. Is Quagsire really out in the? Well, read it again because I don't think Quagsire is like in the ocean. This carefree Pokemon has an easygoing nature. It does sound like Quagsire. While swimming, it always bumps into boat hulls. This really sounds like Quagsire. Quagsire looks like a Pokemon with a carefree nature, just kind of chilling. I don't want to really use another lifeline, but I think I'll use one more just to try and get in the right uh, realm. So let's go with what set the card is from. It is from Dragon Majesty. Dragon. Oh, Quagsire. It is Quagsire. Yeah. 
Yes, let's I, I thought you were going to get all hung up on the sealed. No. Sealed dugong. So, by the way, Spiel evolves into uh, Celio, and Celio evolves into Walrein. Uh, Celio? Celo. Celo. It's Celio, isn't it? I think it's like Celo, though. I don't think it's like Celio. Celio. Yeah, I was pretty set on, on what's it called at that point, and I knew, well, I actually wasn't too, too sure if I'd ask what's that, but I know the Quagsire in. Yeah, it's yeah. the best Quagsire ever, probably. Um, Look at you um, saying that the the that's like set the card. Yeah, once the Dragon's Majesty, I knew it. I was like, "That's you're locked in right yeah. away." <laughs> that one, well, Dragon's Majesty is such a small set. Yeah, there's like I always want to give you ones that I feel like you can get if you need the help. <laughs> I have had some ones that I should have been getting like four points on Ice Q and the comments were so funny after the Deoxys uh, episode. Uh, that one was rough. Yeah. But we got the quags. All right. I'm up to. I'm up to. All right. So maybe the not first for time. Long. Not for long. Not for long. You'll have you'll get your revenge next week. I'll try, at least. I'll um, but yeah, let's talk about we're here in Australia. OCIC is this weekend. It does feel weird as well. We're in Australia. The hotel room setup is not the best. Like the view that you guys are seeing is just the back of the hotel. Yeah. But like we see the like the Melbourne skyline and stuff out here. I don't know. Yeah, you got a nice view from here. Yeah, a nice nice view right now, but um yeah beautiful i mean i love the fact that it's uh 80 degrees outside like yeah. you know like... it's so nice on uh when did i get here monday yeah when i got here monday yesterday it was so nice it was like 60 65 or something i was like oh this is great and i was like and i remember looking at the temperature like coming here i was like it's supposed to be like 8 75 80 the whole week i think it's supposed to get up to 90 today or tomorrow or something which is unfortunate but um, I was like, oh, this feels great. Is this what, like, you know, 70, 80 really feels like? And then I, then like, we checked the temperatures. I was like, oh, no, it's about to get bad over the next... <laughs> but Too actually, hot. This, our hotel is connected to the venue. Yeah. Or basically, I don't have to go outside if I don't want to, if it's too hot. Uh, but I did go on a walk this morning. It was pretty cool this morning. So I went on a walk um, about. But, um, but yeah, we're here. Germans this weekend. Uh, and the, I guess the first place we should start is Lugia. Makes sense as the place to start and yeah we've been in this format for a while now we did get crown zenith but we like it's kind of a sore subject at this point didn't add yeah. much the meta is pretty much the same um and it feels like ever since laic there's been this continuing um cycle with lugia right lugia absolutely dominated laic and then we look into like the toronto weekend we're in toronto and then the other regionals that took place that weekend, I think it was like the Stuttgart and the Brisbane weekend as well. Um, the meta was dominated by counter decks like Control and then the Paralysis stuff, Flaffy Fox no. or Articuno things. Like people found ways to counter the way people had built their Lugia lists. And then Lugia people started adding in techs and counters. Like obviously for Toronto, the Bradner group came with the Espeon, which was really good for that weekend. Um, but then from there, people started adding the Bird Keeper, which was kind of a staple, it felt like, for a while. Yeah. Then Paralysis stuff kind of died down, and then, you know, Control kind of died down, but then we saw, you know, Sander a couple weeks ago came out with the Control. You guys played Control to Orlando, Orlando last weekend, um, a couple weekends ago, I guess now, and uh, the Paralysis stuff started to pop up a little bit more as well. People were dropping the Bird Keepers from their Lugias, neither of yeah. the top two lists had Bird Keeper, right, in Orlando. Where are we at in the Lugia cycle right now, right? This continual cycle of, like, Lugia's OP. Lugia doesn't make any top eights or, like, has just two top eights. Lugia is, like, five out of the top eight. Yeah. What is the heck is happening? What was the tournament before San Diego? It was... Um, San, or before Orlando was San Diego, right? Yeah, before Orlando was San Diego. And in San Diego, there was... Um, 
was a Reggie, a yeah. Lost Box. Yeah. It was, it was like Lost Rays. It was three, I think. One Lost Ray, a Vika Vault. And there was Arlington just before that as well. Uh, and Arlington was dominated by Lugia. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It feels a little bit weird when Lugia doesn't... I mean, like, you can, you can look at San Diego to Orlando, and it's like... Um, yeah, there's no, only one Lugia in the top Yeah, eight, a lot of Lost Box decks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, there's a good mix, right? There's an Arctura. Um, there was a good mix. Uh, I mean, you could, uh, to look at, like, those tournaments, to be honest, I mean, you could look at, like... Uh, you know, Radner and crew chose not to play Lugia at San Diego. Most of them played Reggie. John still played Lugia. Uh, and then come Orlando, they go back to Lugia, and then they're three of the top eight. So right, that's like a pretty big influence already. You can see the influence that that group has on the North American regionals right there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so that's a big, like if they chose to not play Lugia again, there probably would have been less of them. I mean, if we look at Arlington, um, like, yeah, John is in here in top eight, but like, you know, we have Connor Fenton, yeah, yeah, of course, Liam Halliburton, Riley Holbert, like... Yeah, yeah, they're not the only people who are back there, but like, that's a pretty big, you know, them choosing to play Lugia, I think has a big impact on six Lugia. When three of them make it, six Lugia being in top eight of Orlando, them choosing to play Lugia for that event definitely has an impact on it, right? Um, but I think we've kind of gone to the point where the, the tricks, there's like no new tricks to throw at Lugia. So it's just like, do you think people will play the tricks anymore? Like before the and if like, you're playing tricks, which tricks are you including as well, right? Yeah. Like, like are we adding the colognes? Yeah, that was another part of the cycle we didn't even talk about was like cologne and stuff. Oh like yeah, that yeah. Too, right. Um, but like going from Toronto weekend, where a bunch of non-Lugia decks were dominating every, the, all three of those regionals that weekend, um, that's because Lugia players didn't know about all the tricks. But I think the the tricks are exhausted at this point, right? Like paralysis stuff is known, control is known. There's nothing new. Uh, throw at them. It's just like, what do the Lugia players choose to deck for? And now we have like the Cologne, right, as well. The Cologne deals with Marcus Geraldon and Aerodactyl super well. So all of the options, all the tricks that, all the decks that people can throw at the Lugia players are known, and all the tricks that Lugia needs to beat all of those options are known. Um, and I think after Orlando, people are definitely looking at stuff like Paralysis decks a little bit more, because there was such a lack of Birdkeeper at those, in those uh, lists, but also in San Diego, there was a Big, big lack of birdkeeper in Liverpool. That's the one I'm missing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Liverpool. There's a big lack of birdkeeper as well. Um, so I think people are definitely looking at paralysis a little bit more this weekend, as the Lugia players, and then as people who are choosing not to play Lugia as well. So now it's going to come down to how many people actually show up with the Zekroms and Articunos, and how many Lugias actually show up with birdkeepers. Or other, I think birdkeepers like basically the only real. If you do play Eurodice, you play Switch. Or like I like, again, Gustavo played an escape rope in his Lugia at, I played against him in like round seven. Orlando. Or, yeah, round eight in Orlando. So he had the Irida plus an escape rope in there. So if you want to keep the Irida around, you could go with a switch card or escape rope. But if you don't rock the Irida, then throw back in the, the bird keeper probably. Yeah, the rope can actually, there's times like in the mirror match where it can be really strong too. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes they only have one active and then just a Lugia on the bench because it's not super likely turn two for your, the Lugia player going first to be able to, like, if unless they had an amazing turn one where they got two Archeops down, like, it's really not super likely that they can go Serena or Boss KO the Lugia, but... Yeah, or yeah. whenever they go for a Luminian knockout. They, right. They, like, if they push up their Guru yeah. and have, like, Archeops, Archeops, Lugia on the bend. Now, if you have Rope, you can, like, do more things. Yeah. So that's actually kind of a cool impression. Yeah, the Rope was pretty cool. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like... So, do you... So, you feel like we're at a point where we don't know exactly where we're at in the cycle? Or, like... It, is is this a tournament where people are adding techs in their Lugia? It's just they have to determine which ones are the right techs. I mean, I think you can you could almost tech for everything pretty comfortably. Like when I went up Gustavo, Gustavo had this, I figured it was Skylar or Irida, but it was one of them. Skylar or Irida, the rope, the clone. Like I, I had everything. You could I think you could fit everything pretty comfortably in Lugia, but you are a little bit less consistent, right? Because you look at like Bradner's list versus uh, Andrew's list from Orlando. Andrew's a little bit more teched out, a little yeah. bit less consistent. Radner's list a little bit more consistent. Also, you get to run double vacuum, which deals with shenanigans a little bit easier. Like, you don't want to pump kaboo the path of the peak. If you could vacuum it instead, that makes things a lot smoother, a lot cleaner, right? So, um, 
yeah, you can kind of tech for everything if you want to. The question is just like, do you want to? Yeah, because I think Andrew pretty much had all the techs. Had the Watcher, the Manaphy. Yeah. Didn't have the Cologne. Had the Echoing Horn instead of the Cologne, basically, but still the Irida. So um, you could replace the Echoing Horn. The Horn is switch. cool, but because it can be used in other matchups. Like, Horn can actually be pretty good in the mirror, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, can search Stoutland or... But it can be played be. around as well, right? Yeah, yeah. If, if they know you have it, you can play around it by, like, yeah. over. Whenever they go for a Illuminian attack, you know, right. they got to leave the matches open. So the yeah, Horn is pretty cool. Uh, and I think it's probably the best in the in the mirror match for sure. I guess it's good against Gudra and Arctura as yeah. well, so it's another option against them. So yeah, I don't know. I think if, I feel like it's kind of up in the air um, on whether or not you should heck. I, every event, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to playing Lugia <laughs> a tournament. Um, but I don't know if I would. I don't think I would play the Switch card. I don't know, I'd maybe play the Bird Keeper. I don't know if I'd play Switch if I played Ear. Because it's so like, hard. It, it becomes a thing as well because like if people who want to play the Paralysis paralysis type things if they think lugias are playing switching cards and it's like okay well our deck isn't that good so we then gotta switch something else it, yeah and then so then if lugia players know that those players are thinking like that then lugia players can be like well i don't need to play these bird keepers and switching yeah cards, how far right? down though yeah exactly if they know that i know that he knows that she knows like yeah, yeah. i think the bird keepers are usually just pretty safe to have in turn. i was actually surprised that people were cutting it because it's not even a bad card in most matchups to just pivot into your next attacker sometimes. Like, that's where I see people use it, well, the most, usually. So that means you're not playing a paralysis deck, so they don't need to, like, save it against me. But they, you know, they'll bench their next attacker, don't want to waste energy to retreat, and then they just, like, Bird Keeper into it. So I don't know, the Bird Keeper, like, seems like a pretty good play no matter what, I guess. Um, yeah, and, like, if you're attacking with Luminion, right, you can just go kickball, Luminion, Luminion, Bird Keeper, yeah. boom, you've got to yeah, set up. Yeah. yeah, so I don't know. It feels, like, pretty safe to just, like, have the Bird Keeper, I guess. No matter what, it doesn't feel like bad. Um, of course, you are trying to play... I feel like you are trying to play... Uh, if you're playing Lugia, you're trying to play Bradner's list, right? That's the list you want to play is what Bradner played. So more straightforward, server. less techs? I, like, ideally, that's what you want to play. But when there's enough stuff countering Lugia, you do have to try and check some of it, right? Sure. So the question is just like, I mean, n neither of them played Gensling Clone, right? So mm -hmm. neither of them were afraid of Aerodactyl or don't respect Arctur that much. And, and I don't think it's was... worth being scared of Aerodactyl. Uh, yeah. And then, like... But like, if no one's scared of it, then it's, <laughs> that's what I'm, that's, it is. It is a little bit interesting because that is the time to bring it, right? Sure. Um, but you don't want to play these these tech cards that are not that great to begin with, anyways. I think even Andrew said that the, the echoing horn that they played was like not that good uh, as well. Yeah, I think so, I saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you don't want to play these when that could just be even like. And Andrew played the the stupid extra Pokemon search card. Oh, the capturing aroma. Yeah, play the capturing. Yeah. But you'd rather play like more draw supporters and more capturing aromas, right? Instead of the echoing horn. If the echoing horn is just going to do nothing the whole day, because it is a more situational card than a research or a capturing aroma, you'd rather just play more of those, right? Yeah, so, because um, consistency, like just setting up more consistent on the turn to attack, is pretty good as well. So Lugia is the best deck. Yeah. If you're playing in OCIC or in internationals or really any tournament. Um, what reason is there to not play Lugia? And we talked about this a little a few weeks ago, and you actually said that you thought, like, if you are someone who considers yourself, like, a mid-tier player, that you shouldn't play Lugia. Yeah. Because you're just going to play a lot of mirror matches, right? And if you're a mid-tier player, you know, you're taking 50-50s to, like, people who are probably better at the mirror than you and better at the deck yeah. than you, so, like, you're going to lose more often than 50 50 right it's gonna be harder for you to deal with the funky stuff too so yes. when you go up against anyone with like some weird paralysis stuff so do you still feel like that's, or... that that remains true though is what i mean like yeah do you i feel think, like yeah i think if you are if you consider yourself like an average player uh, even if you're just playing for points like i don't think there's any reason to play lugia i think the only people who should play lugia 
and this is only based on so like the, my opinion would change on this if Lugia was like a ten percent deck or a fifty percent mm -hmm. deck, but because it is you know Orlando we saw it at its lowest at twenty six percent. But if we saw it come down to like twenty percent or under twenty percent here, which I, I'm predicting is probably going to be thirty percent. I think it's going to go back. Yeah, in. I, I feel like um, too. then I would then I would be playing it. Right, if it was on sub twenty percent, I would probably be playing Lugia. But I don't want to play a bunch of mirror matches against all the best. And if more of the top players in the world weren't just like I'm just going to play Lugia again, which like. I don't know, you can probably predict, you know, Tord and, like, Brian DeVries and, like... And maybe that. some of the Australian players, too. Yeah, like, Natalie Miller's probably going to be yeah. playing Lugia. Like, they all just, like, playing the best deck, which is, like, fine. But that's not, like, how I like to view the game. So, um, yeah, I don't think any any average player should play Lugia. I think only the, like, top 0.01% of players, when it's this popular, should play Lugia. Because yeah. if you're really going to... If you're going to put a ton of time into learning the mirror match and know everything now is super fundamentally well and then bring maybe a little twist to your list... Um, like even though, like I said, Bradner's list was like probably the list you like you kind of want to play because it's the most straightforward. Sometimes being yeah, but his twist, his twist is playing was being a, yeah, yeah exactly. everyone's getting spicy with the Eos yeah, and the yeah. Skylas and the Colognes, and the Bradner's like, all right, just keep it straightforward, consistent. And that is the, the twist, right? And we had like the Echoing Horn and Andrew's build and the Wash Energy for mm -hmm. the Lost Box matchup. So you can add those little like everyone does their own little thing, but you have to do that, and you have to be one of the best players in the world so you can actually maximize the deck's power and not come up short up against the funky stuff when you do hit it because it's either you're playing. Um, you're playing Lugia, or you're coming up with some way to beat Lugia, right? With something different or new, or you're choosing to play Gudra, which is a bad Lugia only. <laughs> Brother! Or you're choosing to play Gudra, which has a bad Lugia matchup, right? Like, you're doing one of the two things. You're playing Lugia, you're playing a deck to beat Lugia, or you're playing Gudra. So, and I think the Gudra's, the Gudra mindset needs to... I don't think it's going to be very power strong in this tournament, so... Yeah, if you're not one of the best players in the world, I don't think you should play Lugia. No one's going to follow that advice. Lugia will still be 30% of the meta, and a lot of people are just going to go like four and four with their Lugia or four four one. Yeah, yeah. Lugia will be a pretty high person. It'll be the most popular deck day one, and it'll be the most popular deck day two. But like the much, like I mean, this is just going to be a numbers thing, regardless. But like, so just because you're playing Lugia to a tournament does not like make your path to day two any easier necessarily, yeah. right? I think like, it makes it harder. I think it makes yeah. it harder. I think if you bring something like an Arctura, so like I said, like an average player, if you bring like an Arctura. If you put a lot of time into Lost Box, I think you have to invest a lot of time. Or like a Mew, I think you have a higher chance of like making day two or reaching your goal, whatever it might be, 128, because we're probably not going to have 128 people in day two, so just get like 128. I think you have a higher chance if you don't play Lugia, if you're like one of those players who are in that kind of that position. So a point of contention this week, I've seen a lot of people discussing this on Twitter, is the Mew versus Lugia matchup. And it's mostly what I've seen on Twitter has been Lugia players um, saying like, how does Mew think that they ever win this matchup, <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel like that's been a, a big point. And even, like, I watched Isaiah stream this past week, and he played against a Mew, and it was, like, on turn two. I mean, in the, like, some games of Lugia is just going to play out like this, but it was, like, after turn two, he was like, okay, oh, this game is over. I won the game, right? Uh, because, like, he did what he needed to. Mew didn't stick him to the path judge. He wins the game, right? Yeah. Um, so, but, I mean, if we look at some of the data, Trainer Hill tweeted out this little graph that shows the matchup percentages for each deck, each of the top decks here. And if we go down here, you can see um, Mew Genesect up against Lugia. Mew's favored 51%. <laughs> so uh, that's a, a little favored, but yeah, 50, yeah. pretty much 50-50. I don't know. Um, what have your thoughts kind of been on that matchup? Do you think Mew can stand up to Lugia? Like, is this 50-50 pretty representative of how the matchup actually plays out? Based And this, these results are based off of uh, online tournament results from Play Limitless. Yeah, I've been calling it a 50-50 as of late. And I think I think there's a decent amount of other players who would like back. You know, the players, Nathan Ginsburg, second place, San Diego, uh, Leon, 
uh, I forget the last name, won Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have players Kesselring. like, yeah, Kesselring. You have people like, players like Xander Perot, who was uh, like a winning in a way from making top eight in Orlando. Yeah. We also, we saw Mew in top eight from Grant Hayes, uh, Grant Hayes at Orlando as well. Like, I think, uh, I think it would be about 50-50. And I think there's a decent amount of, you know, other, there's, there's a decent pool of results out there to kind of back that up. And you'd have some other good players out there who would also say the same thing. Uh, I think going first is a big deal, uh, of course. But I think, it is definitely harder to play the matchup on the Mew side than it is the Lugia side. So we'll always see uh, Lugia probably have more success. Online tournament stats are a little bit iffy as well because the, the matchups are never being, being played consistently perfect. And when it's harder to play on the Mew side, I don't know. Uh, I think it hurts its... Yeah, I think these numbers are like good to reference, but yeah. they're definitely not like perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like statistics. You want to test it yourself. Like, yeah. The matchups yourself if you can, for sure. So I think it's a close, I think it's close to 50-50, though. So I think, I guess, it, this stat for this one for the online tournament results is... Uh, Pretty close to what I would say it probably is. Is uh, about fifty percent, probably. Yeah. Anything yeah. else in here worth noting? Maybe while we're looking at this graph that you noticed when we looked at it earlier, that is like super lopsided. I mean, if we're looking at this, Ogdura's matchups, man. You're you're, <laughs> you're losing to Mew, but other than that, fifty fifty to Lugia, and you're favored against pretty much everything else. Fifty fifty to Rayquaza, but. Um... Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess there's a lot of jank in here, though, right? I mean, it depends if people have the colognes, right? If they have the colognes, I think Arctar is unfavored against Lugia. Yeah. Um, if, I mean, is it even, though? Because yeah, you, you have to have everything. You have to have belt and four powerful, right? And if you prize, if you're only playing one belt, which some people are, and if you're, you know, prizing one of your four powerfuls or have to discard one or you have two in your hand, right? Like, everything has to be perfect because you only get one turn to use that cologne. But that and it doesn't like... do you any good to do 310 damage yeah. to a Duraludon. It's got to be 330. But that's, like, only in the situations where you go second, right? When you're just going first at Lugian, if you just turn two, KO their Arceus, like, you're going to draw probably four prize cards to maybe find those things or you just kind of win. And that's only if the Dura player has the Gust KO on the Archeops mm-hmm. when they go first, right? Because if they don't, then you just set up Yvitol and you just need the vacuum right um so you have more out so i think yeah i think when you have the canceling cologne you know if you didn't prize anything but i think in a best out of three that's where like the the uh that's where best out of three comes up heavily where it's like you might lose a game in every setup against arcadura but if you win the two of the three like that's why i think like having the extra tech card makes a pretty big difference in a best out of three so in a best of one it probably doesn't matter as much but a best out of three i think it's a quite a uh, definitely bigger deal so um but yeah i, I feel like people are kind of pulling back on Cologne, which does set up for Aerodactyl to be that much better going into this weekend. I think that will kind of main, maintain true. I think Aerodactyl will probably be better this weekend than now, the, Liverpool. It seemed like everyone had canceling clones. So now is it Aerodactyl Vikavolt or is it Aerodactyl Mew? I don't know. <laughs> Grant Hayes, I think they said that they didn't think Aerodactyl did very... It was like okay yeah. in their deck. Um, we saw... We've seen consistently... Uh, Alexander played yeah. Mew, he played Mew with the advanced technology but he didn't play Aerodactyl he played the Manaphy yeah right? just the Manaphy choosing not to play the, the Aerodactyl last weekend in Orlando yeah not play, which is weird because it, it is so popular but yeah chose to not play the Aerodactyl um, but yeah I mean I, I, I don't know the Vika, the Vika Vault deck is still pretty good I think yeah. I don't, it's really, you gain Sky Seal Stone if you want to go that route over like the Force Seal Stone but you can play both um, so I think it's still probably pretty good. Probably the best way to play Aerodactyl still. I think people are sleeping on the deck in general, to be honest. I feel like everyone hates the deck. I think it's bad. It was definitely not a great play at Orlando because there was so much Gudra, but I'm not predicting people to play a deck again as popular as it was that doesn't have a good <laughs> matchup. So, yeah, Vikavolt has a pretty terrible Gudra and Arcdura matchup. Yeah. And those collectively made up like 13%. It was yeah. like Arcdura was 5%, Gudra was 8%, something like that. So 13% of the meta is just like in... A seventy thirty match or thirty seventy matchup like that's going to be you know I mean that's manageable I guess but if you hit three of them like your day one's done right yeah it's not great for sure 
Um, and there's also more people on the uh, the Dragonite as well in Lost Box, yeah, which is like harder for Dragonite as well. Speaking of which, Lost Box is kind of in a questionable spot right now, right? Um, in Orlando, there wasn't like a definitive emerging way to play it, I don't feel like. Like Nick Moffat got top four with the Lost Way Box Rayquaza. Um, really similar to Pablo's build from the San Diego Regionals. He does have the Ice Q in here. Ice Q. Ice Q. That's what I said. That's what I, I said Ice Q earlier. Look at you. <laughs> He's evolving. That's why you didn't say anything because I said it correctly. <laughs> you just didn't even notice. Yeah. So. Um, oh, I didn't mention this last time, but another reason for double Manaphy is actually the canceling clone. So they can't go like Raikou, Gus Manaphy, canceling clone. Yeah, yeah. There are two things. So another reason to play double Manaphy that uh, Moffat did play. So, yeah, I mean, is Lost Box Ray still the best way to go with the deck? It was the top three placing uh, Lost Box decks. I I mean, I think so, probably. I don't I think there might still be some stuff to figure out there with like Zamazenta. And I mean, Kyogre's still so strong, right? Uh, it's hard for me to say that. This was Victor Ong's turn one. Yeah. Secret to the Lost Zone deck, correct? <laughs> yeah. The vacuums, the Pokestop. I mean, this is my, my only loss in day one was to Victor at mm -hmm. Orlando. Um, Suffer Control, they have a lot of, they played a lot of vacuums, goons, shred, the echoing horn. The echoing horn is what got me. They had a really long game one, and then they, I was, I don't think they, I was like, I don't know if they have echoing in horn in here as well. I was like, uh, Alberto didn't play it. They definitely have some stuff that Alberto didn't play, but could they fit the horn in here? I don't know. We'll just play as if they don't have horn, and then they had horn, so unlucky. But, uh, yeah, the turn one build, I don't know, it kind of fizzles out pretty fast. I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it, to be honest. Yeah. I feel like it takes advantage of people not knowing how your deck wants to yeah. work, right? Like, if you're Lugia, I think you just choose to go second against it, right? Like, Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I mean, you could go first, but even but yeah, that's even a big thing. Is like, if you know what build it is, you go first and you put down an extra basic Pokemon. And now their escape rope doesn't KO your yeah, own Lugia. that's true, too. So even just go, I think you maybe still just go first. Because you, you, you force them to overextend their resources harder if they have to also go uh, go second, and then because if they don't get off a big play going second, then their deck doesn't have as many options moving forward. So I feel like you still just make them go second, but and you make them have to potentially have an awkward Colrus or a more awkward, awkward comfy because they're digging for the turn one play, and then you just bench another Pokemon down so you don't let uh, your lone Lugia get KO'd, which is, which is what I think Victor did to Diego or something on stream is that they just like caught yeah. the lone Lugia in one of the games. So you were super, uh, you and your testing group, obviously, for pretty much most of this format since LAIC have been playing Lost Box Kyogre, changed yeah. it up for. Orlando, how do you feel about Tiger for this tournament this weekend? It's hard. I've just kind of been out of like I just have not played that much Pokemon. <laughs> like I, I Ray is kind of cool, but if people are adopting, like my favorite thing about Ray is the Raikus, not even the Rays. Yeah, yeah. My favorite thing about the Ray build is the Raikou, which I was actually surprised that Moffat went down to one Raikou because I feel like Raikou is such a better attacker against the Lugia deck um, because you can do you can put three hundred and sixty damage in play if you punch a Lugia. And if you're not punching a Lugia, you're probably getting two prize cards as long as you can KO the Manaphy. Um, but if people are adding the wash energy to the Lugias, that makes any kind of lost box pretty rough. You have to play like a a more straightforward build that kind of tries to go through their active more more of the time. But then you have to be winning the prize trade because if you're ever losing the prize trade, you have no comeback. You have no way to make a comeback as a lost box deck. Like if you're just behind a prize card, then the Lugia player just wins the prize trade. They only set down like one prize for the rest of the game, get the Luminian out of play. You know, they give you the one Lugia, but if they get two prizes with that Lugia, you get your two prize cards, and you're just even in the prize trade. They put the Manaphy down with the Wash. Raikou can't make big plays happen. You could probably yeah, save Stalin for the end as well. Yeah, save Stalin for the end. And against the Kyogre deck, well, same thing. Like, they can't Sableye KO that Manaphy. If they're Marnie spamming, it's going to be hard to pull off a boss play anyways if you, if you play it. So uh, the Wash energy 
It's just really good Lugia to beat Lost Box decks, to be honest. So if people are going to adopt that moving forward, it's it's t- I think it's kind of just tough for Lost Box in general. And I don't know which build I would favor, to be honest. But I think with Ray's track record, if I had to predict one, like if, if you're picking between the two, I think Ray would have to be the one to go. If I was playing one, I'd probably play Kyogre again. But just because I've just been playing Kyogre this whole yeah, time. Yeah. But yeah, if you were picking between the two, I mean, Raikou, you can't argue with uh, Rayquaza's track record right now. I mean, I wonder, too, if there's still room for some other different variant, right? You mentioned Zamazenta, like yeah. how that could fit in. Sky Sealstone's another card that I think everyone recognizes is pretty strong, but it's yeah. just how does it fit into a Lost Box deck, or is it worth trying to change the way that the deck is built? Because you'd have to play, like, two to three Pokemon V, probably, to make good value of it. Which ones are you playing? You're still getting the Dragonite in there. It's the hardest hitter, probably, but then there's other options like Raikou, Galarian Zapdos, Drapion, right? So... I don't know where do where do all those different things go. So I'd like to see someone maybe come up with something more interesting, um, and maybe there is something out there. But I think we'll see. I think someone will have come with something. Sky Seal, some for sure. Some kind of like, uh, like the deck gets beat when people know about it. Like it's like a, like tech board or something. But like it's one of those going to be one of those decks that's just like. It just prize trades favorably in every match. Like they felt they puzzled out Sky Seal, so to just win the prize trade against enough the mm-hmm. against Lost Box and. Uh, I feel like that maybe exists out there for sure. So moving on from that, we do have the two kind of tank and heal decks that we'll talk about. Though I guess like, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're different, but like similar strategies overall. And that's the Gudra and then the Arceus Duraludon. They're both really popular in Orlando. And I think, I mean, I think everyone knew Gudra was going to be pretty popular, but I'm just kind of surprised that Gudra and Arctura made up 13% when combined together, right? That's like a that, that's a pretty high percentage for like, that style of deck to make up. But Gudra's results were honestly kind of questionable. Michael Burjrak was, he lost two winning ends. So, like, three. I think three winning ends? I think it was three. I think I remember hearing oh, it was three geez. at the event. No, no, no. Because he lost two in a, because he was at 33 points. Maybe it was. I, I think it was two. But it was a lot. Yeah. I mean, which is tough. I mean, sometimes the deck just doesn't pan. I mean, you know, yeah. many people have been in that result before and that doesn't, or that position before. It doesn't say anything about Michael. Just, you know, whatever happened with those yeah. matchups or how his deck drew, whatever it is. But, um, you know, if he wins one of those conversation, I, I mean, I think if there's a Gudra in top eight of, um, of Orlando, the discussion's like a little bit different, but after seeing only one in top 16, there's a couple more in the top 32, but you know, overall didn't do the best. And Arctura really didn't do great at all. I think there was just like one in top 32. Yeah. One yeah, in top 32. Um, so yeah, I mean, what, I guess, do you expect a lot less meta share for OCIC than what we saw in Orlando? Um, so what was Arctur at? Was that like four? It was four or five, I think. Four or five, yeah. I mean, I think Arctur will stay about that same. I don't think really expect it to increase. Like, people are still going to have colognes, which makes it, like, not a great Lugia play, like I mentioned. I think Gujo will go down for sure. It was kind of like the hype fringe deck going to the tournament. Yeah. Because uh, it, was, it wasn't like a hype new tier one, tier two deck to really people to latch on to. So it was kind of the hype fringe deck going into the tournament. Yeah. But it does, and I thought it had, I think I even mentioned on the podcast before the tournament, that I thought Gudra was a better play than Arcdura. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't think either of them were good plays going into Orlando, like looking back, now that we've been, like, looking back on the tournament in hindsight, mm-hmm. I think both were pretty bad plays. Um, and I don't think Gudra's that good moving forward. It's got a, un, you've got, you can't just have an unfavorable Lukia matchup. Like, why would you ever play? It just makes no sense to ever play that deck. Unless you, like, and I thought the matchup was better, you know, when we recorded the last podcast. I thought the matchup was better than it actually was. But then the, my testing between the podcast and actually going up to the event, I was like, this just isn't, the deck's just like not that good. Like, I don't see any reason to play Gucci. Unless you like have gotten the Lugia matchup, to fa- I guess 50 50 would be fine. Because you're good against Lost Box decks. If you get it to 50 50 against Lugia, 
then I guess I say go for it. Like, I, I guess it's fine, but I don't think it is. I think it's just unfavorable. Well, the deck is also kind of clunky as well. Do you play the double Drapion to beat Mew as well is another question, because I don't think your Mew matchup is great. That's not good either. <laughs> but if you play double Drapion, your Mew matchup is incredible, right? I think you you should, right? Because that's what we saw from the two highest placing lists of Google. Oh, no, besides Birdrack. Besides Birdrack had the one. It's not terrible with one. Um, I don't know. That's tough for me. I would have to test that more, to be honest. I, I think trust your testing. If you test and one Drapion's working, um, or if you're testing and you feel like you need the second Drapion, just go with what your testing says, to be honest. Right now, after he's playing Guja, go with what your testing says. I don't have too strong of an opinion on that, to be honest. Because when I played the deck with one Drapion, the new matchup has felt fine. Like, it feels like probably 50 50 uh, in my testing. Um, but if you feel like you're, you're losing to it a majority of the time, I mean, I think you're still going to be like a 12 What does a trainer track, Hill right? data say? Yeah, what does Hill say? Gudra Lost Zone up against uh, Mew Genesect is 51% for Gudra. Okay. And That's I wonder cool. if that is carried on the back of people maybe post Orlando, yeah. including Drapion. Uh, yeah. It might be. Yeah. I, yeah. I say just trust your testing. Whatever your testing says, just go with it. I don't have too strong to pay on that one, to be honest. But uh, I would say you so, do want to at least 50 50 meet. I know you're not going to play either one of these decks. No. <laughs> but if you had to, if it's like gun to the head, you got to pick one of these. It's all. Well, I was kind of talking bad about Arctur. Well, I was talking bad about Gudra. You're talking sure. bad about Gudra for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think I think I would go Arctur. I, I don't think Arctur is in the worst position. Well, there's gonna be that much cancel clone. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there will be. So I think Arctur's Lugia matchup is like deep, like probably 55, 45, maybe 60, 40. Uh, I think it's like slightly favored Arctur. If, if, if they don't have clone, if yeah, they don't yeah. have a clone. Um, and then the I mean the problem becomes just like some of the other matchups. Rayquaza can be questionable. Uh, it's probably slightly unfavored. Mew. Unfavored matchup, I would say, most of the time. It's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, um, but, like, you beat a lot of the fringe stuff. You'll beat the Vikavolt decks. You'll beat... Um, pretty good against both lost box. I guess your Reggie matchup is not great either. Uh, Reggie's actually not that bad. A lot of... The, I didn't even, like, think about this. And usually when I play up against Reggie, I'm pretty good about it. Don't have also... Dura VMAX. Just don't have VMAX. Yeah. Like, literally, just talking to... Uh, the Arctur enthusiast himself, uh, Grant Shen, uh -huh. about it. He's like, yeah, you just don't evolve. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you just don't evolve. Yeah, <laughs> slug. Yeah, whenever right? I played him against it, whenever I was playing my Reggie for the two tournaments Salt Lake City, or Pure in Salt Lake City, every Arctur I played against evolved. <laughs> and usually when I'm playing up against uh, Reggie, I'm pretty good about noting that. Just like, Man. you know, when I'm playing a VMAX, like, all right, don't evolve to the VMAX. Duraludon v, v is hard to KO. It is, yeah. Because that match actually has hyper close. potion in there too. Like, yeah, exactly. Four metal on the first, two metal on the second. Yeah. So the second one usually becomes a VMAX, but the first one just put four metal on it, KOs anything for a couple turns. Some high proportions with some. Yeah. The well, it KOs, doesn't it do 10 plus 40, or is it 40 times? Yes, yeah, so you need four metal. It's 10 plus 40, so three metals, it KOs. Yeah, all three the metals KOs no, everything except for Gigas. Gigas. Yeah, but they'll hit you with Giga, so force the fourth metal out of you, so. Uh, yeah. So, okay. but yeah, the match is actually not that bad. <laughs> I thought it was terrible, but that's because every time I played against someone, they always evolved to oh, the VMAX. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Reggies, how do you feel about that for this weekend? There's only one in top 32 in Orlando. I mean, Gudra was popular. Though. Yeah, that's, I think, what the problem for it was. Gudra is just pretty much an unwinnable matchup. But, like, it's matchups across the board. Otherwise, not that bad. It has a fine Lugia matchup. It has a fine Mew matchup. Yeah. It, um, a fine Lost Box matchup, right? Like, yeah. uh, I think my main problem with Reggies is it doesn't feel, it, it feels like a very linear deck where there's, like, not room to make plays most of the time, yeah. right? It's like you play the hand you're dealt, like, there's skill involved in, as far as, like, the sequencing and, like, uh, resource conservation, right? Um, but as far as just, like, you know, room to, you like... make your opponent think. You don't make your opponent think yeah. too much. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you're I, doing, I, like, two different things. But it's, power, it's powerful when it sets up when it gets going. So I guess the, the power of these kind of decks is it's powerful. You don't make your opponent think too much. Uh, I think it's like about as good as it has. It'll, it's better, way better for this event than it was for Orlando. Um, 
Ludwig will probably go down for sure. Because, like, once again, it just doesn't, unless someone figured it out and they're beating Lugia all of a sudden, then Ludwig shouldn't be as popular as it was for Orlando. I think that was, like, kind of almost felt like an anomaly. It was like the, it was the fringe hype deck going into the tournament, I feel like. And that's a reason it was so popular. It's like a lot of people, are like, ooh, this Ludwig deck is cool. It's fun. I'm beating Lugia enough to where I'll play it. But, like, after Orlando, people are like, I'm not really beating it enough to where I want to mm-hmm. play it again, or like, or other people have, you know, because there's a ton of people, of course, at this event that are not from, or people who went to Orlando, almost none of them are coming actually to this event. But you know, they look at those results; they've still been testing this whole time. I'm sure a lot of people are not as uh, hype on Gudra going into this weekend. So I think Reggie's in like a pretty solid spot, maybe a little risky, and there was like a decent amount of like uh, Ice Q, I guess, and stuff with Control, um, and even like Moffat had it in their build. Mm-hmm. Not so you know, maybe you want to include the Yellhorn. Yeah, I wonder if you could it. even just include like a couple Escape Rope. If, like if, if you just played two Escape Rope and Reggie, is that enough? Because like that's a card that you get utility from in other matchups theoretically. Well, eventually you get down to Lone Ice Q, and then you can't rope anymore. Well, if you have Rope Plus, I guess it'd have to be Rope Plus Boss, which yeah. not everyone plays Boss right now anyway. But Yellhorn is just definitely the best. The most well, you could no, because you could go, them. you could go Rope Plus Bad Lucky, right? Yeah, but that's like a, so many. That's like two bad cards you have to play in the deck. The deck is already like doesn't you just want to be straightforward and consistent. Like playing the third gigas for the Mew matchup already hurts a ton. You don't want to do that. It feels awful. So you already you're trying to be as consistent as possible because one of the one of the struggles of Reggie is consistency. That's like the, the number one uh, thing you lose to is your own consistency. So yeah, I like I just like the Yellhorn because it's a one card inclusion to beat the Ice Q. Once you get to the two three card, I think it's like. I would, I, the thing I, I would I would just play four Marnie like that's what I would do with Reggie for sure four Marnie up your lost box percentage because people have yeah a bunch of stuff in lost box and make it making things harder the Raikou plus Reggie Judd uh, <laughs> Reggie Judd go one more yeah four Marnie and actually that's actually funny because I when when I played Reggie at Salt Lake City I played up against uh, Cyrus playing the Giratina Arceus Giratina mm-hmm. Bebrow deck and they played four Marnie and a Judge and we yeah. played a Pokey Gear. But I think that should have just been a judge looking yeah, back maybe on it. So. We played a one of Pokey Gear. It could have been something else uh, as well, but I think it probably should have just been a judge looking back. I was like, oh, you, oh, that's the judge is super smart. I wish I played a judge. Uh, but yeah, I think four. I, like, if you're playing Reggie, I think play four money for sure. Just yeah. up your lost box percentage. I think something I would be interested to see uh, in Orlando in round. I think it was round four. We saw Grant Shin on the stream, and he the played turbo the, the Turbo Reggies, and I thought that build looked really cool. Obviously, there was a little bit of drama and stuff happening there where Grant had submitted the wrong Reggies on wrong his list Reggies. and had to had to swap those out. So his tournament run kind yeah, of got lucky. stunted. He did make day two still, but yeah. uh, you don't really know how far he could have gone with the deck if he had the correct Reggie Lucky that well, he that's, wanted to play. Well, I actually right? talked to him about it, and he actually beat all of his Lugias after really bad Lucky. Okay. So I guess just attacking. Well, he made it into day two at 6-2-1, yeah. but like his day two record, when I, I looked at him in like round... 13 or 14 just to see what his record was and it was like 6-5 there was still a lot of Guja to go yeah, through so yeah. I think that was probably the main killer for for Grant but yeah apparently he beat all the Lugias that he went up against after that but you probably want to play if you're taking Grant's list you probably still want to play some good luckies for sure I don't I want to get rolling on the bad yeah, luckies maybe a split a somehow, one split maybe or something 1-1 one, one, that's interesting but <laughs> yeah I, I think that um, there's something to be explored there potentially so I mean maybe someone will have seen that on the stream picked it up here and Maybe we'll see something from that in OCIC, but yeah. Um, I want to ask you now about control. Obviously, you guys played that to Orlando. Um, a few of you, you, Danny, Grant, and Isaiah made day two with the same sixteen. Grant did not make it, unfortunately. Or did he? Grant made it. Oh, he did make it. He did make it. Yeah, that's right. 
It Caleb felt like Kidd he was missed there. out, right? Yeah, Caleb yeah. and Kidd missed. That's right. Yeah. I didn't think Graham Matrix was other people on the list too, but no, he he was even bummed about coming at six two. I mean, it, was, it, was, it would be hard to make top eight at six two one. So yeah. he already felt like he was out of it. But and then Isaiah bubbled out. Yeah. Um, was at the thirty five match points did not get yeah. in there. Um, obviously, you guys based your list on Sanders' list from what was it Liverpool, right? Or uh, yeah, Liverpool. yeah, Liverpool. Um, I don't know. How do you feel like that? control style deck does into the current field like i mean is there I mean, a reason is there reason for people to uh like because we always talk about the cooldown period with control right yeah. like um it's really good whenever no one's expecting it but then when people expect it they respect it a little more in their deck building or they're a little more sharp on you know play against it maybe whatever it might be um do you think the has there not been enough of a cooldown period for control to to be good again or do you think it's not worth it for people to tech for control which then in turn makes control a decent enough play. Yeah, I mean, I don't think... I, I think it's still a good play for sure because your Lugia matchup is always... Good. Unless a Lugia player really wants to go that far out of their way to tech for the matchup, um, which, like, I mean, how many people are they reckoning to play control at this tournament? Sander. <laughs> and then, like, if our group played it, that'd be what? Uh, four people? Yeah. Five people? Like, because uh, not even all of our group... There'll be more than that. Yeah, yeah of course, but... of course. Like, um, but, like... Ten, that's what I was going to go with. Like, what, ten people total, maybe, playing mm. control, right? It's yeah. hard to want to tech for... That matchup, like I said, the bird keeper is always something you can kind of tech in as for paralysis, and it's good against control as well. It doesn't make it favorable for you or anything, but it's something. Um, so checking for it, like if I was playing Lugia, I would probably only go as far as bird keeper. Um, I think it's definitely a really good deck, solo. Like your your Lugia matchup is favorable. Lost box is fine. Um, I don't think it's any. I don't think OCIC will be any more hostile for control than it was at um, Orlando, because like it's. I don't just like generally it feels like people don't unless the deck like wins. No, people don't really want to tech. It's yeah. that, which is kind of weird to think about, right? Because like, even if you think to yourself, like, okay, I respect this deck. I, I think the deck is good. Um, and obviously, some people might play it. Uh, but no, I'm not going to tech for it. But if it wins, then all of a sudden everyone's like, all right, you got to tech for the control. Like if Sander had right. one Liverpool, yeah. everyone would have a, a control tech in their decks going into Orlando, right? And already a decent amount of Lost Box had, like, Echoing Horns. Like, every, every Lost Box that I played against had Echoing Horn. Um, but I only lost uh, Victor. But... Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be any worse than that. Like, it already felt like at Orlando. Um, but yeah, it does feel like, it, like if the deck doesn't win or maybe make finals, people kind of write it off. And even, like, because we even look at, like, the Kreckler deck, right? The Vicavolt Aerodactyl. Mm -hmm. It got second terribly against Connor in the finals. Yeah. Uh, and no one respected the deck. And then Gibby, Gibby shows up. Yeah. Gibby wins. And even then, nobody respected the deck. Felt, well, no, that's not true. At Liverpool, people everyone had to win. Yeah, then yeah. people had to But it had to win. It had to win, right? So it feels like if decks don't win, people don't really respect them. So... Um, and if you're on control, I wouldn't be afraid. Um, like if, you're, if you want to play like a control deck, um, I wouldn't be afraid. Sure. Um, so yeah, if, you're, if you want to play control, I wouldn't be afraid. And then teching for it, I don't know, it's a tough call to make. Like right now, I don't think I would tech for it, but I feel like if I was playing lost, if I'm gonna play a lost box, I already probably have some card in there that would like naturally give me a game plan against control for the most part. Like usually, most lost box decks, you can have at least a game plan if you even if you don't auto win it. Well, but I think it's also too like, I mean, a card like Echoing Horn. It's just a good card. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just it, like it's going to be really good against control, but it's going to be useful in a lot of other matchups as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Good against Guja, good against Arctura. So, like, it has a ton of uses already. So, yeah. So, maybe it is worth including then, but not specifically for control. But, like, if you can find a card that, like, you can get enough uses out of, um, like, you're not checking specifically for one thing, but if you can find, like, 
it's like if control is just like a one percent or less than one percent meta share deck, like you don't want to tech for a one percent meta share yeah. deck. Pretty so like in like Luga, you really don't want to play canceling clone. Right. Like you do not want to play canceling clone. But it's like okay, if people if no one plays canceling clone, there's always gonna be like two aerodactyl on top eight. Mm-hmm. If my my goal is to win the tournament, I probably want to have a tech for aerodactyl if I think that's the route that the um, the meta will kind of trend towards, right? Sure. So um, so we talked about the paralysis stuff a little bit when we talked about Lugia. Um, I mean, just, I guess, of the kind of three main things, like Intellian Articuno-style decks, Zekrom Lost Box, or Zekrom Flaffy, like whatever it is with Zekrom, or Palkia Intellian with Articuno, right? Yeah. Of those three, those are kind of the three ways people are going to play. Paralysis-type stuff. Um, do you think any of the three are worth playing, and or maybe is one better than... One the other ones, like I, th- I think personally, I would probably lean Palkintel, right? Because you yeah. just have legs in other matchups, right? Where you're yeah. not just totally reliant on the paralysis strategy, whereas these other decks feel like they're way more reliant on it, right? Yeah, I really like the Articuno and Teleon deck, but it is like super straight. Like you can't even beat Lost Box. Like the deck struggles really hard to beat Lost Box, even with like the Ice Cube package. Yeah, with everyone's playing in Lost Box these days, it's super hard to beat that. So, Palki- like I think I agree. I think Palkia Intel Articuno. I actually predicted Ian Rob to win. Uh, to win Orlando once I saw what he was playing uh, and I heard that he had the Quabominable to beat the Gudras and the Arcturas uh, and had the Drapion to beat Mew. I was like, okay, I think I think Ian's going to win this. Yeah. Uh, going Like, on round seven or eight, I predicted Ian to win the whole tournament. Uh, and came into day two at eight one, but wasn't able to quite make it into cut bubbled out as well. Uh, or bubbled out. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I think that is the best way to play it. You, yeah, you do have more things in the matchup. But I think, like, going back to, like, the Zekrom and some Lost Box builds and stuff is probably reasonable. I think the time to play a Paralysis deck was Orlando. Because I think more people are going to have Bird Keeper and stuff in their Lugias going into mm-hmm. OCIC. Um, so I think the time to play Paralysis stuff definitely was Orlando. And I think I want to pull this up in regards to uh, Palkia. Ian actually tweeted and said... Yeah. He said, good luck to everyone who will be at OCIC this weekend. I would be playing Palkia Articuno, even though it is not the deck I believe is the best to get points with. The highest odds of winning the tournament is why I would play it. Also, it's really fun. <laughs> I'll throw that in there. Yeah. So, I mean, it's always interesting to me when someone says something like that, right? Where it's not the best deck to get points, but it could win the tournament, right? Like, what yeah. qualifies a deck to fit that kind of specific niche category, right? I mean, yeah, like, like this where it's like, and that's why I'm not a huge fan of... Like, if I played Lugia, I'm pretty confident I would get points. I'm pretty sure I'd make day two. Uh, how I do in day two is once I go up against a bunch of other tier one players playing Lugia, like, you theoretically... Like, even if I have, like, some tech for the mirror, it theoretically comes down to, like, a 50-50, right? So, um, that would be, like... If I really just want to get points, I'd probably play Lugia. But if my, my goal is to win the tournament, so I want to bring something that has hopefully a slightly favorable Lugia matchup and then can beat some other stuff or cheese its way through it, which is like seems to be Ian's mentality as well. Like you could bring Lugia yourself, uh, but what's your chance to win the tournament playing that or playing something like Palkia? Um, so, and I guess I could, yeah. So like generally for me, I would like, but I even said though, if I was an average player, I would not recommend playing Lugia to even get points. But you know, I consider myself a decently above average player, so I think for me it's a little bit different. Um, but I don't think yeah, Palkia and Talion, paralysis stuff in general was super good for Orlando. I think mm-hmm. um, definitely less good. Before OCIs, I think we'll see more bird keepers or even switches in, in the Lugia decks, right? I think we'll see more of that. Well, speaking of paralysis, paralyzing bolts with the Vikavolt, <laughs> not quite paralysis, but yeah. How do you think uh, Vikavolt could do it? Kind of flopped in Orlando after winning in San Diego. A lot of Gudra. Uh, a lot of Gudra, yeah. That's kind of just is the point of like yeah. why a lot of these decks seems like they didn't do the best, is there was a lot of Gudra. Yeah, I think we'll see it do better. I think there's going to be less Gudra. 
Uh, there'll be less canceling clone if you're going the aerodactyl route. But we've been like you even mentioned, I think last week, like some bike multics have been going yeah. the yeah the pathway where you just kind of and you have sky seal zone to be like your closer, right? So you just go aggressive with Vika Vault. Like if you're in the Lugia matchup, you could try and go for turn one, turn two, paralyzing bolt plus path in play. Not only do they need to get the Archeops in the discard pile, they got to get the Lugia V Star. Now they have to bump your path to the peak without being able to play vacuum or quick ball for Pumpkaboo, right? Mm-hmm. And you try and just snowball that into a lead. Uh, and you've always had a good lost box matchup with the Vika Vault, so. Um, yeah, I think I think it'll be I think it'll probably place pretty decent overall at this tournament. I could easily see one in top because I don't think there's gonna be if you're going the Aerodactyl route, that means canceling clone. The big thing is just not gonna be as much Gudra. And I think the last thing to talk about would just be other Arceus decks. So something like the Makani Tran deck from San Diego, or maybe something that's more committed to flying Pikachu. That's been popping up a little bit more in online tournaments, more people playing flying Pikachu, Espeon type things. Um and Arceus might be the best way for like a Radiant Eternatus to pay, potentially make something happen. Probably, probably not though. <laughs> probably but, not. Um, I don't know. Yeah, any uh, any opening for an Arceus deck in OCIC? I don't think so. Yeah, which is not very good. Even like the Makani Tran deck, like Makani ended. I think Makani made day two at Orlando again. Uh, ended up top sixty four, I believe. Um, I think it was like the high, maybe it was the highest placing. Yeah, top sixty four. Um, that, that might have been the highest placing Arceus pile deck. Uh, but I don't know. I think there was. Was, I think there was another one. In, was there was it? one in top thirty two. Maybe not. Yeah. Fact check. No. It it's not like it's yeah. a very popular deck yeah, either, yeah. though, right? It's not a very popular deck either. So, Matani's still the highest placing Arceus pile deck. Um, it's another in top sixty four. It looks like. Yeah. So not so many people are playing it. Um, but yeah, I just don't think. Like, and, but I don't know. I don't think there's any other real way to play Arceus. Like that seems like the best way to play it. Um, canceling clone will be down in the count, I think for sure. So our our the Aerodactyl, the uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit better. I think that would be my prediction. It'd be a little bit better overall, but that's yeah, not. Uh, I don't know. It's, not, it's just Arceus is not. Like if you're, it's, and like I said, like I always say, I don't really count Arceus Duralon as an Arceus deck. It's just the best way to play Duralon. You're just trying to Duralon's super strong card. You're just trying to enable that as much as possible. Which Arceus is the best of that? Yeah, I don't think it's really a good a good Arceus deck at all right now. Unfortunate. How we've fallen from grace. <laughs> Maybe someone has it. Maybe someone has something different though this weekend. It would be cool to see. For All right. Well, time to give us some predictions here. For Orlando, we set the over-under for Lugia at 2.5. We both picked the under and we're both wrong. <laughs> I think it's fair to up the over-under this week though. We're doing Lugia at 3.5 this week. Over-under 3.5 Lugia and top eight as well. What do you think? Well... Let's see how many how many me and my group are here. We got four of us, uh, or five of us. You always say this. We picked up a stray for this one, so we got five of us. If all of us make cut, if we if all of us make cut, that means there's only room for three other decks in top eight. So I'm gonna go under on Lugia on the three point five. You say this, and then like squads about to be all up in the top eight. <laughs> When's the last time someone in the squad made top eight? I don't know. We got, we got a couple of nines. We got, a, we got, a a few nines. We got some bubbles. You know, we're still there. Isaiah got the bubble uh, at Orlando, so... Yeah. Uh, and I was in a pretty good spot at Orlando, too, to be honest. That was kind of unfortunate. My run was uh, pretty unfortunate on the day two. Orlando, I'm also but... going to go with the under. Um, Ooh, I right. do think... Hey, and Sanders here. And Sanders here. So, like, how... Oh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's one spot that's guaranteed <laughs> top eight, right? Yeah. Oh, um, um, no, yeah. I, I'm going to go with the under. Like, I mean, I think it's very... Very... It could very easily be five Lugia in top eight again. Um, but... I'm going to go with the under just because, like, I think that there's going to be people trying other things. There will be a lot of Lugia still, but, yeah, I'm going to go with the under. Um, and our next prediction 
we kind of teased it already. Yeah. Does Sander make top eight? It's, Gotta go with yes. Sa- Sander is on an insane streak of top eights. Um, it's like four in a row now. Yeah. It's, 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 this isn't top eight, though. Gotta fix. Sander's got to work on that, but... <laughs> it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I mean, just absolutely one of the most consistent players this season, the past 12 months, without yeah. a doubt. Um, and whenever someone is that consistent and also plays the style of decks that he plays, right? Doesn't play meta decks, yep. plays control, off meta, all that type of stuff. Uh, is always really impressive. So does Sander make top eight a solo yes or no? Yeah, I'm going to go yes for sure. I think it's almost like you say that. I think it's like you say like that is like, I don't know, I don't know if that is more impressive than if Sander kind of switched between different crazy decks every time. Because if you're only working on control, you already have like, you're so in tune with it. Like making the adjustments, it's so much easier and so much more. Fluid. I think it's impressive because he's the one doing it, right? It's like sure, like there other people could theoretically. Well, no, yeah, he's the yeah. one putting in the time. And yeah, 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 yeah happen, of course right? it is. But I feel like when you're focused on just like Sanders, like before the tournament begin, like two tournaments from now, Sanders already committed to playing control, right? So it's like you don't have to play through the lost boxes. Do I want to play lost box? Do I want to play Lugia? Do I want to play mirrors? Like, all right, how do I get this control like as good as possible? We've even seen Sanders play control when it's been awful, right? Like. And, you know, we see Sander with day twos from here from time to time. But that's only when Control's, like, just not very good. But Sander still goes through it anyways, right? You know? And tries to get to as close as possible. So I feel like that's, like, committing to just playing Control. I feel like that's, like, almost just, like, an advantage for Sander going into every tournament. Because Sander, like, already knows I'm playing Control. I just have to work on this one thing. I don't even think about playing any other deck. The only attacking deck I think I've ever seen Sander play was for, like, the Players' Cup, the attacking X-Control <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Sander in top eight for sure. Do you got Sander in top eight? I think it's fair to say, but I, I don't want to go with the same oh. s- same answers you every single time. So I'm going to say no. Oh, you can't do that to Sander. What? I mean, I I think like I mean deep down I'm saying yes, but you know just for the sake of conversation, <laughs> I'm going with this. All right. Um, and I think deep down I definitely want him. But yeah, it's good for the content. Everyone loves watching him on stream and stuff. No, you know we're not going to put the control deck on stream. Too many rounds, but we'll put it on. Like you know. That's a reason to not play Control this tournament. It's like, you increase your chance of getting on stream because they already put Sander on stream. <laughs> so if you, yeah, if I want to no get that t shirt to this round, then I will <laughs> not play Control. No um, next one uh, for a prediction. Uh, what would be a deck that you think can win the tournament that's not Lugia? Pick a non Lugia deck that you think uh, would win. I picked Mew win. in Orlando for this. I think I did um, too, right? No, no you picked Lost Box. Oh, Lost Box, yeah. Yeah, I picked Mew, and it came close. I mean, I guess Lost Box came a little closer, but, uh, you know, got top eight with the Grant. Yeah. Hayes, he did take Isaiah to three games, but couldn't close it out. Um, well, I don't think I'm going to go with Mew for this one. Um, uh, I think... It's a Vikavolt, honestly. I think the meta is shaping up decently for it. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, snap. I think the meta is shaping up pretty decently for it. It's obviously nobody a really strong it. deck, and nobody respects it. Yes, nobody respects it, and it's incredibly strong. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give it to Vikavolt. Because also, like, it's the type of deck that if it just gets into top eight and just, like, hits, you know, two good matchups in a row and cut, like... It's gonna get a final spot pretty reasonably. Yeah. Right? I, well, once you get to top, like I feel like it's hard for its bad matchups to get to top eight. The Gujas and the Arcturus. Yeah, so if you get to right, top eight, right. I think you might just be winning. Yeah, a lot of the time. Your, you're, your you're, matchups are gonna be really good. Yeah, you can still lose to Lugia, of course. But all right, so if you want to like a ball, I'm not gonna go with like a ball then. Let's go with. That's still, there's not that many decks in this format. So you're yeah, going Mew. I'm going Ardura. If Arcturus. No Cologne. No one's playing Cologne. Mew of all it's gonna people. squeak into top eight and just eat up some Lugias. Arcturus' um, biggest hater. Yeah, we're going Arctura. I'm going Arctura. All right, well, it's become a, a pretty good meme at this point. Frown Zenith, 
Worst set in forever. What did it change? What did it change? We're still finding the answer to that. Highest placing Crown Zenith card. Bonus points. What is that placement going to be? Well, yours has to be. Well, if you haven't picked Mike Ball to win, yours has to be Sky Sealstone, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't even know, though. Like, Sky Sealstone. Yeah. I don't know. Sky Sealstone. I mean, I think just naturally, the more I've played with the set, the more I've thought about the set, it feels like Sky Sealstone is just the best card in the set. I don't know. I mean, Samus is pretty good, but it's only good in. Well, I mean, Sky Sealstone is pretty much only played in Lost Box. Samus is only played in Lost Box. The one card that's not played in Lost Box, the Radiant Eternatus, though. No, we can't. I, it's hard for me to not say. Tallyrex, though? I, all right, so, yeah, I mean, I'll go with. I don't know. It's, a, it's just, they're all bad. I'll, I'll Sky Sealstone. I think it's just, it's, it just is the best card in the set for sure. Yeah. Um, and even if it's not great right now, that's the thing that once rotation hits, we're getting EXs, so it's not good against EXs <laughs> But like, there will be V Stars and V Maxes will be around enough where we could see. Actually, in EX decks, no, you can't play it on EX decks. Never mind. You play any X deck with some basic Vs. There you, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> like the Gardevoir deck with the Zacian uh, yeah, yeah. from Celebrations, right? Stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yep. And last one. What region gets the win of the four major rating zones? Of course, North America, Latin America, Europe, and Oceania. Worth noting, Oceania has never won an international championship. Yeah. Not even one of their own. Obviously, they did win Worlds, which is... More important. Uh, it's still an interesting Henry Henry, yeah, Henry, Henry won the world championships back in 2019. Um, yeah, I mean, we're in o Oceania. It feels like it would be poetic justice for Oceania to get a win in the on the home turf, right? Yeah. And just numbers-wise, there's going to be the most Oceania players here as well. So are you saying you're picking Oceania? What are you picking? What, what uh, region is Japan from? Japan is Japan. This Japan. Well, this I know Japan. Daichi's here, and at least Daichi's here. So I'm picking Japan. We're going. You're just Japan. going Daichi. I know Daichi's here. I don't know who else is coming. I saw a couple other Japanese players on Twitter, you know, okay. tweeting out that they registered for the tournament. And the only one I remember is Daichi. So I'm going Japan. There's a couple other ones. It could be Daichi, but yeah, hopefully Japan. They love that. Hey, this could. They might have the rating Eternatuses and the Sky Sealstone decks pack. They always that would be bring, so hype if Shintaro was here. Yeah, they definitely. They always bring. They just deck build differently, like for sure. I think on average, yeah. right? We see that pretty consistently. The whole culture around Pokemon is just different there. Too. Yeah, it's different. So, like you know, they could. I think they might have. Some, they also could just be playing Lugia. So that's cool too, I guess. Uh, which you can't. You can't go wrong with that either to pick one of them to win. So I'm gonna go with Japan winning uh, OCIC. I'm gonna say that would suck for the Australians. So the Jap Japanese players are coming over here and taking their seats. <laughs> Yeah, because Japan, like, the CP that they get just goes to the yeah, it just doesn't Yeah, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything to them. I'm going to go with uh, an Oceania player. Uh, you know, just the, the numbers. Yeah, I mean, the numbers are pretty strong for it, but also, you know, obviously some incredible players here. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that they're overdue for an internationals win, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's all the predictions we wrote down. Azul. Um, yeah, I think that is it for this week's episode. Unless you've got anything else you want to say? No, I'm good. Send us out, Chip. Yeah, thanks so much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode, the special in-person episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for the support. As always, if you did enjoy, please be sure to give us a rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, be sure to leave us a like, subscribe over on the YouTube channel. These are the quickest and easiest ways to support the podcast. It's free for you and takes just a few seconds to do it. Um, if you want to stay up to date with us, the best way to do that is going to be over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie, Azul at Azul underscore GG, and you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yeah, appreciate the support as always. Good luck in the tournament if you're playing this weekend in Australia, and uh, catch y'all next week, Tuesdays, 7 a.m. Eastern. Peace. I will say 
next week we might not be Tuesday because we're both getting home late Monday, right? So Well, I get home Sunday, so this will be on you. Maybe Wednesday, might be Tuesday. Probably Wednesday, probably Wednesday. See y'all next Wednesday, and then to the regular, uh, regular day, the week after, Tuesday. There we go. Peace.